Hello, Hopeful. I'm Roger Corville, and this is For the Hope's Daily Audio Bible. Here, we read through the scriptures conversationally, talk about the truth claims of Christianity, and learn to fall more in love with Jesus and the people in His world. Welcome. When it is light outside, you see a certain amount of detail when you look at something. And when it darkens, however, that clarity disappears. The same thing happens spiritually, which is how, for instance, in our dark world, there's a lot of blurry vision around things like unity versus uniformity. My friends, the more Christians look like Jesus, the more community is unity on the gospel and diversity in gifts deployed on kingdom mission. And that gets us to episode 2088. Welcome to today's little bit of our journey together through the Bible, reading through every single word of God's revelation of himself and considering our own stories in light of that. I know your church has no unity versus diversity stuff, but mine does. You know, that's just kind of the story of life. And if contrast is the mother of clarity, today's time in the New Testament helps shed a little bit of light on the fact that the gospel is how community is established and experienced. And then you're going to hear a little bit of division. Today we pick up Acts at verse 32, and we're just going to hear a couple contrasting stories. Here we go. Now the entire group of those who believed were of one heart and mind. And no one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but instead held everything in common. With great power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was on all of them. For there was not a needy person among them, because all those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the proceeds of what was sold, and laid them at the apostles' feet. This was then distributed to each person as any had need. And Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus by birth, the one the apostles called Barnabas, which is translated son of encouragement, sold a field that he owned, brought the money, and laid it at the apostles' feet. But a man named Ananias, with his wife Sapphira, sold a piece of property. However, he kept back part of the proceeds with his wife's knowledge and brought a portion of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. Ananias, Peter asked, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the proceeds of the land? Wasn't it yours while you possessed it? And after it was sold, wasn't it at your disposal? Why is it that you planned this thing in your heart? You haven't lied to people, but to God. When he heard these things, Ananias dropped dead, and a great fear came on all who heard. The young men got up, wrapped his body, carried him out, and buried him. And about three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter asked her, Tell me, did you sell the land for this price? Yes, she said, for that price. Then Peter said to her, Why did you agree to test the Spirit of the Lord? 
Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Instantly, she dropped dead at his feet. And when the young men came in, they found her dead, carried her out, and buried her beside her husband. Then great fear came on the whole church and on all who heard these things. And that's up through 5, verse 11. And while we're not going to get into fear of the Lord, right? That actually, that concept biblically has this really broad semantic range. It can mean terror, but it can also mean just awe and reverence. What we just observed or listened to was Sapphira and Ananias missing a healthy fear of the Lord, who just happens to be God of the whole earth, right? And them keeping their own money wasn't wrong. But being a poser about it was. The more Christians look like Jesus, my friends, the more community is unity on the gospel and diversity in the gifts deployed on kingdom mission. And apparently, Ananias and Sapphira had just kind of missed the application of the gospel. They either didn't understand it or hadn't allowed it to work down deep into their hearts, right? The gospel frees us from addictions to self and stuff. It gives us power over pretending, power over wanting praise from people, power over lying, stealing, and deceiving. It makes us honest and generous and should set our minds on the glory that is to be revealed. Turning to our Old Testament segment and the current narrative unfolding now in the life of Abraham, Yesterday, we heard that this promise of blessing to Abraham and to all the earth through him and his seed extends forward through the rest of Scripture, right? Abraham responds with exemplary and justifying faith, uh, and this is a growing faith that will culminate rather dramatically here in the next couple days. But this faith, nevertheless, is not without its failures, right? It's doubt that we heard about. And Abraham took matters into his own hands. Nevertheless, God confirms the promise in both changing Abraham's name from Abram to Abraham and gives the sign of circumcision. Now, we hear it confirmed in another way. Genesis, picking up in chapter 18. The Lord appeared to Abraham at the oaks of Mamre while he was sitting at the entrance of his tent during the heat of the day. He looked up and saw three men standing near him. When he saw them, he ran from the entrance of the tent to meet them, bowed to the ground, and said, My Lord, if I have found favor with you, please do not go past your servant. Let a little water be brought that you may wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. I will bring a bit of bread so that you may strengthen yourselves. This is why you have passed on your servant's way. Later, you can continue on. Yes, they replied. Do as you have said. So Abraham hurried into the tent and said to Sarah, Quick, knead three measures of fine flour and make bread. Abraham ran to the herd and got a tender choice calf. He gave it to a young man who hurried to prepare it. And then Abraham took curds and milk as well as the calf that he had prepared and set them before the men. He served them as they ate under the tree. Where's your wife, Sarah? They asked him. 
there in the tent? Abraham answered. The Lord said, I will certainly come back to you in about a year's time, and your wife Sarah will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance of the tent behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old and getting on in years. Sarah had passed the age of childbearing, so she laughed to herself. After I'm worn out and my Lord is old, will I have delight? But the Lord asked Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Can I really have a baby when I'm old? Is anything impossible for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will come back to you, and in about a year, she will have a son. Sarah denied it. I didn't laugh, she said, which she said because she was afraid. But he replied, No, you did laugh. The men got up from there and looked out over Sodom, and Abraham was walking with them to see them off. Then the Lord said, Should I hide what I am about to do from Abraham? Abraham is to become a great and powerful nation, and all the nations of the earth will be blessed through him. For I have chosen him so that he will command his children and his house after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. This is how the Lord will fulfill to Abraham what he promised him. And then the Lord said, The outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is immense, and their sin is extremely serious. I will go down to see if what they have done justifies the cry that has come up to me. If not, I will find out. The men turned from there and went to, toward Sodom while Abraham remained standing before the Lord. Abraham stepped forward and said, Will you really sweep away the righteous with the wicked? What if there are fifty righteous people in the city? Will you really sweep it away instead of sparing the place for the sake of the fifty righteous people who are in it? You could not possibly do such a thing to kill the righteous with the wicked, treating the righteous and the wicked alike. You could not possibly do that. Won't the judge, capital J, won't the judge of the whole earth do what is just? The Lord said, If I find fifty people who are righteous in the city of Sodom, I will spare the whole place for their sake. And then Abraham answered, Since I have ventured to speak to my Lord, even though I am dust and ashes, suppose the fifty righteous lack five. Will you destroy the whole city for lack of five? He replied, I will not destroy it if I find forty-five. Then Abraham spoke again, Suppose forty are found there. He answered, I will not do it on account of forty. Then Abraham said, Let my Lord not be angry, and I will speak further. Suppose thirty are found there. And he answered, I will not do it if I find thirty there. Then Abraham said, Since I have ventured to speak to my Lord, suppose twenty are found there. He replied, I will not destroy it on account of twenty. Then Abraham said, Let my Lord not be angry, and I will speak one more time. Suppose ten are found there. He answered, I will not destroy it on account of ten. And when the Lord had finished speaking with Abraham, he departed, and Abraham returned to his place. 
Now the two angels entered Sodom in the evening as Lot was sitting in Sodom's gateway. When Lot saw them, he got up to meet them. He bowed with his face to the ground and said, My lords, turn aside to your servant's house, wash your feet and spend the night. Then you can get up early and go on your way. No, they said, we would rather spend the night in the square. But Lot urged them so strongly that they followed him and went into his house. He prepared a feast and baked unleavened bread for them, and they ate. Before they went to bed, the men of the city of Sodom, both young and old, the whole population, surrounded the house. They called out to Lot and said, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Send them out to us so we can have sex with them. Lot went out to them at the entrance and shut the door behind him. He said, Don't do this evil, my brothers. Look, I've got two daughters who haven't been intimate with a man. I'll bring them out to you, and you can do whatever you want to them. However, don't do anything to these men, because they've come under the protection of my roof. Get out of the way, they said, adding, This one came here as an alien, and he's acting like a judge. Now we'll do more harm to you than to them. And they put pressure on Lot and came up to break down the door. But the angels reached out, brought Lot back into the house with them, and shut the door. They struck the men who were at the entrance of the house, both young and old, with blindness so that they were unable to find the entrance. Then the angels said to Lot, Do you have anyone else here, a son-in-law, your sons and daughters, or anyone else in the city who belongs to you? Get them out of this place, for we are about to destroy this place because the outcry against its people is so great before the Lord that the Lord has sent us to destroy it. So Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-law who were going to marry his daughters. Get up, he said, get out of this place, for the Lord is about to destroy the city. But his sons-in-law thought he was joking. At daybreak, the angels urged Lot on, get up. Take your wife and your two daughters who are here, or you will be swept away in the punishment of the city. But he hesitated. Because of the Lord's compassion for him, the men grabbed his hand, his wife's hand, and the hands of his two daughters, and they brought him out and left him outside the city. As soon as the angels got them inside, one of them said, Run for your lives. Don't look back and don't stop anywhere on the plain. Run to the mountains or you will be swept away. But Lot said to them, No, my lords, please. Your servant has indeed found favor with you and you have shown me great kindness by saving my life, but I, I can't run to the mountains. The disaster will overtake me and I will die. Look, this town is close enough for me to flee to. It's a small place. Please let me run to it. It's only a small place, isn't it? Let me run there so I can survive. And he said to him, All right, I'll grant your request about this matter too and will not demolish the town you mentioned. Hurry up, run to it, for I cannot do anything until you get there. Therefore, the name of the city is Zoar. The sun had risen over the land when Lot reached Zoar. Then out of the sky the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah, burning sulfur from the Lord. He demolished these cities, the entire plain, all the inhabitants of the cities, and whatever grew on the ground. But Lot's wife looked back, and she became a pillar of salt. 
Early in the morning, Abraham went to the place where he had stood before the Lord. He looked down toward Sodom and Gomorrah and all the land of the plain, and he saw that smoke was going up from the land like the smoke of a furnace. So it was, when God destroyed the cities of the plain, he remembered Abraham and brought Lot out of the middle of the upheaval when he demolished the cities where Lot had lived. Lot departed from Zoar and lived in the mountains along with his two daughters because he was afraid to live in Zoar. Instead, he and his two daughters lived in a cave, and then the firstborn said to the younger, Our father is old, and there is no man in the land to sleep with us as is the custom of the land. Come, let's get our father to drink wine so we can sleep with him and preserve our father's line. So they got their father to drink wine that night, and the firstborn came and slept with her father. He did not know when she lay down or when she got up. The next day, the firstborn said to the younger, Look, I have slept with my father last night. Let's get him to drink wine again tonight so you can go sleep with him and you can, we can preserve our father's line. That night, they again got their father to drink wine and the younger went and slept with him. He did not know when she lay down or when she got up. So both of Lot's daughters became pregnant by their father. The firstborn gave birth to a son and named him Moab. He's the father of all the Moabites today. The younger also gave birth to a son. She named him Ben-Ami. He is the father of the Ammonites of today. And all I'll say is, ew. <laughs> My friends, if there's stuff in there that sounds weird to us, remember this is 2000, or 2000 BC or thereabouts. But at least one of those things that God is righteous in is his judgment on a morally bankrupt Canaanite civilization, which also provides a severe warning against others becoming like them, right? It is difficult to get Lot out of Sodom. And interestingly, it's tough to get Sodom out of Lot's family. That unfolds throughout the whole Old Testament. In a way, though, it's exactly how God's purifying holiness clears our vision for the gospel, right? This gospel which is how community is established in an experience. He, God, keeps his promises, and importantly, he reveals it in the way that he reveals it, because he's God, and we're not. Closing up with our wisdom segment today, God is due his praise, but listen to the end of this praise psalm and the curious line about a raising up a horn. In most cases in the Bible, the metaphor of horn is one of God's glory or power emanating from a human, usually the king. But where is God's power shown here? Psalm 148. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his heavenly armies. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, highest heavens, and you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded, and they were created. He set them in position forever and ever. He gave an order that will never pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, 
All sea monsters and ocean depths, lightning and hail, snow and cloud, stormy wind that executes his command. Mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, wild animals and all cattle, creatures that crawl and flying birds, kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all judges of the earth, young men as well as young women, old and young together. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His majesty covers heaven and earth. He has raised up a horn for his people, resulting in praise to to all his faithful ones, to the Israelites, the people close to him. Hallelujah. Ah, My friends, you remember the rainbow, the end of the Noah story? How it's a symbol, right? And that we must be careful to worship what the sign points to. Right? We worship God, not the creation that points to God. Well, in a similar way, that's what creation is, and that's what that's one of the ways that gospel flourishes in community. How we see God in community. The more Christians look like Jesus, my friends, the more community is unity on the gospel. And yet diversity in gifts deployed on kingdom mission. I love you, my friends. I hope that made sense. Amen. (laughs) Amen.